What's going on, everybody? It's your buddy, it's your Pals Pass Phoenix, the YWC Reality Check. And no, I'm not going to do this every week. It's not even going to be a sometimes thing. But TNA came back on the weekend. We talked about that. So I got to talk about the first episode of TNA Impact and at least kind of keep my foot in the water as to what's going on if I'm going to talk about the pay per views. So. This is, I guess, your review for TNA Impact, January 18th, 2024, day one, whatever you want to call it, whatever puns we want to use. Initially, I was just going to come up in here and give some quick thoughts, but before I knew it, I had a page and a half of notes. So let's see, let's see how this goes. Started off with a really good video package outlining everything that happened at Hard to Kill, the X Division, the women's title change, the men's title change, uh, the sort of debut of Ash by Elegance, the signing of Zaya Brookside, and obviously the appearance of Nick Nemeth at the end. Huge pop! It's all good. <clears throat> and uh, then we switch to more video packages of the system arriving and celebrating and doing shit in restaurants, whatever. The system is Moose, Eddie Edwards, Alicia Edwards, and Brian Myers, for those of you uh, not keeping score at home. But... It's TNA. We started off the pay-per-view with Ultimate X, so obviously for the very first episode of Impact, we're going to feature the X Division in a six-person scramble. Kushida, Trey Miguel, Laredo Kid, Speedball Mike Bailey, El Hijo del Vakingo, and Jake something. One of these things just doesn't belong here. A good majority of this match... I'm a big sucker for the X Division, and I will always say, and I will always... You know, start off with my bias from the start. A lot of what I think about Impact, and or I should say now TNA Impact, is that I've seen a lot of these guys wrestle in Destiny. And yes, check it off your Spice Phoenix bucket list is a joke. It is a cliche that exists on this channel. But I mean, Kushida I've seen live. Trey Miguel I've seen live. Laredo Kid I've seen live. Speedball I've seen live. Jake something I have seen live. And the dude is a walking refrigerator. El Hijo del Vikingo I have not seen live. I'll be fair. I will be fair. Um, Jake something, they, they do the whole thing um, like TNA sometimes does where if you're tuning in for the first time, just so you know, the X Division isn't a cruiserweight title. It's not about weight limits. It's about no limits, which is a, an expression of theirs that's like 20 years old now. So they throw in five high flyers and Jake fucking something. Um, he... Big pile of people matches, you guys know I do do enjoy a big pile of people match. Royal Rumble is coming up. Money in the Bank is coming to Toronto. We can talk about that later on. But a six-person scramble when five of them are high flyers and one of them is a really unique flyer, high flyer, I should say, like Speedball Mike Bailey. I, I got to see Speedball Mike Bailey in my face have a match with Josh Alexander in the Don Koloff Arena right before he signed his TNA contract on the back of Josh Alexander in, in the presence of, of Scott DeMore. And all. That was really cool. I got to see Trent Seven sign his contract. I got to see Josh Alexander himself sign his contract. All of those happened in the Don Koloff Arena at Destiny... Eh. Two of them happened at Destiny shows. The Trent Seven thing happened at a Impact show that took place in the home of Destiny. So I, I, it still kind of counts. Jake something plays the I'm a big guy in the Royal Rumble situation where basically all the small guys sort of circle around him like little tiny sharks, I guess, and they all take their turns and you know they all try to like traffic control each other. Okay, you take a shot. Okay, you take a shot. And then he just sort of kills them all. Um, Vikingo being in the match gives the announcers on commentary, Matthew Raywalt and uh, 
Tom Hannafin, a chance to talk more about the AAA deal that was signed slash renewed at Hard to Kill between uh, Scott Demore and the, the fellow from AAA whose name I can't pronounce and I don't want to be rude. Um, Trey Miguel had a spot where he had uh, Laredo Kid in sort of like a half Indian death lock. So one of his legs was occupied keeping Laredo Kid in this leg lock, but he was hitting like combination strikes on Kushida while he was kind of tied to the floor by having Laredo Kid in this spot. It was really, really cool. Jake something gets back into the ring, takes out everybody, big sweeping paw strikes to everybody, big show enters the battle royal type of idea, but he takes his time with Vikingo. He like beats him and beats him and beats him, but then he steps on Vikingo's foot so that he can't leave, he can't run away, he can't even roll out of the ring and says, you know, go ahead and slap me. Vikingo tries to slap him like 10 times to absolutely no effect and then gets knocked down with one punch, which is fine. And then he power bombs Vikingo out of the ring, onto the floor, onto Laredo Kid and Mike Bailey. Um, Vikingo comes back at some point and he, I don't even know who he hits it on, but he enters the ring with a springboard snap crucifix power bomb. I've never seen that before, not gonna lie. Jake something gets back into the ring. I don't think it was on Vikingo. I think it was on Laredo Kid. I didn't write it down because I'm an idiot, but he hits Into the Void, which is just a massive side slam. Because when you're big, you don't have to be flashy, just throw somebody at the ground. As Chris Jericho once said, if you're a pro wrestler, you can describe it a hundred ways, but basically you're throwing your body at the ground for a living, which is ideal in this case. We get a hype video for Ash by Elegance, the former Dana Brooke, and she's going to be arriving on Impact very, very soon. Um, need to stick up for the ladies here for a second, not just Ash by Elegance. Ash by Elegance, because AEW fans are strange, they're accusing her of being a knockoff of Timeless Tony Storm. She hasn't even done anything yet. She showed up in the crowd with Iceman, who apparently is going to be her manager, which is fucking awesome, because I've met that dude, and he's a cool dude, no pun intended. But also, like, they have a similar hair style. And Ash by Elegance isn't pretending to be crazy. No offense to Tony Storm. I think the gimmick... I think she is running with that gimmick as best she possibly can. I give her all the credit in the world for that. I don't give credit to AEW, who are making her carry a shit gimmick to begin with. But it's a hair thing. And even she, she even had to take to social media to say, Guys, I haven't done anything yet. It's a hairstyle. Maybe give it more than a week type of thing. Which, she wasn't exactly being rude, but she wasn't exactly wrong, was she? Twitter is a shit show. And while we're at it, people out there going after Diana Perrazzo, implying that she's any kind of unattractive, any kind of large, shall we say, speaking for myself, I'm not exactly a small person myself, or that she can't wrestle. Like, like go, go be normal. Go, like, I, I, I'm a hypocrite saying this, but put your phone down, get away from the camera, get away from the, the, the socials, go out and literally touch the, the, the oxygen won't hurt you. Like, it's really, I say this at work all the time, and I'm going on I'm a, bit, a, bit, a bit of a tangent here, but the whole Deanna Perrazzo thing is a bummer, because I'm ridiculously happy for her, wish she had gone to WWE, I'll be honest, but she deserved a bigger stage, she's on a bigger stage, and she's had two matches. Fuck off. 
Dana Brooke slash Ash by Elegance, as she's going to go by now, has done nothing other than show up in the crowd with Iceman, who's awesome. We know she's a hard worker. Everybody that she's ever worked with says she's a hard worker. You don't like her haircut, so you're pulling at a string to say, oh, they're ripping off AEW, because of course you are. Please be normal. That's all I'm saying. My, my expression that I use at work all the time when I deal with people that are dickheads, it's the easiest thing in the world. Wake up in the morning, lift your head from the pillow, look yourself in the mirror and say, you know what, I'm going to try something brand new today, and it's called not being a fucking dickhead. That's all I've got on that. Just, like, just be normal. Sorry, I'm not going to take up any more of my time with this. Tasha Steeles versus the debuting Zaya Brookside. Kind of debuting. It's her debut singles match. Um, they're calling her the Angel of Wrestling, which is interesting. I'm hoping at some point there's an actual explanation for that. And if it's a Brit Rest thing, somebody get down in the comment section below and explain it to me. Um, she's just, from what I know of her, like I say, saw her a little bit in uh, NXT UK before NXT UK started falling on its face. Um, we saw her in the Ultimate X match on the weekend, and we see her in this match with Tasha Steeles tonight. She's just, like, this awesome pause vibes girl, and, like, genuinely happy, happy to be there, you know, handshakes and all, all that kind of thing, high-fiving the fans, and, you know, people always say that they're tired of wrestlers, that, oh, you know, they're so cheesy, they're just happy to be there, but, like... A, that's not necessarily a bad thing, and B, it's her second match in the company. It's her first singles match. You're allowed to be just happy to be there in your first fucking match. And Tasha Steeles, um, I gave Tasha Steeles a hard time for a long time because when she was in the tag team of Fire and Flavor with uh, Kira Hogan, um, she was kind of the one that didn't stick out to me at the time. I thought Kira Hogan was great. I still do think Kira Hogan's great. AEW, obviously, because she's a woman, is misusing her because they don't know how to use any of their women. Hell, they relegated Ember Moon to ROH. Enough said. But Tasha Steeles is pretty damn good, and she's good at getting in there, just being obnoxious, being a little bit cranky, especially for somebody who's happy-go-lucky like Zaya Brookside. Perfect sort of foil for her. Um, the match was nothing to write home about, I'll be honest. Um, it was pretty simple. It was a nice showcase for Zaya, eh, for Zaya Brookside. Uh, she's got the, the Brooksy Bomb is her finisher. I will say, because it was pretty simplistic and because it was pretty, like, I'm here to introduce you to this new character, it does feel like it dragged on a little bit, but not in any negative way, if that makes sense. We got a replay of Top Dollar and Joe Hendry's interactions on the pre-show of Hard to Kill, which I didn't see, because you don't get the pre-show if you get it through Fight. You have to go through TNA+, Plus, which I'm not going to do. And then Joe Hendry was cutting a backstage promo talking a shit about Top Dollar, and then realized that Top Dollar's rapper buddy, DJ buddy guy had been tossed in a trash can, which is nice. Um, <laughs> I don't care. I, I like Joe Henry. I think he's entertaining. Uh, I do like Top Dollar, AJ Francis, I guess I should be saying, because, you know, he never really got his due in WWE. They never really got a chance to get up off the ground with Hit Row on the main roster. From everything I've seen online and, like, like I say, charity and, and all that kind of thing, he seems like a good dude. Um... If this is a one-off appearance in TNA, then there's not really a reason to care. And Joe Hendry will go on to target somebody else with his funny music videos shortly. So, I, I, I don't know what you want me to tell me about that one. Uh, Grizzled Young Vets had their first 
I should say one-on-one, but two-on-two match against Kaz and Eric Young. It was a technical brawl between the new guys and the TNA Originals. Um, The Originals let Grizzly Young veterans get in all their shit, as the expression says. Both teams, I like this, that both teams were kind of pushing the rules a little bit. You know, the biting, the hair pulling, dragging people by their their beards or their hair or whatever. Both of them were being kind of skeevy, so that you didn't have to worry about who was the good guy, who was the bad guy, cheer for whoever you want type of thing. The Grizzly Young veterans did get a long-ass double team on Kaz, and it gave EY, who's a lot more expressive, a chance to be the frustrated guy that just can't get the tag, and then get the tag. Now, that's basic, fundamental... You know mechanics of a tag team match, but this this was a pretty pretty prolonged beatdown. Um, once all four of them are in the ring, uh, Kaz decks EY by accident. The Grizzly Young veterans hit grit your teeth, which is like a four knees to the face code breaker type thing. That's my second Jericho reference for the night. You're welcome. Uh, Grizzly Young veterans get the win. They cut a promo down the microphone about how they're coming for ABC and they're going to be soon to be recognized, which is awesome. And then Kaz decks EY for real and beats him up, even though he was the one that messed up and decked EY, which cost them the win. So Kaz is heel now. Now that's fine. What I like about this is that they saved it until tonight. What I like about this is they flipped over to TNA and all the TNA originals got to go into the show on the weekend and get cheered before whoever's going to turn heel turns heel. Uh, So Kaz, who is one of the originals, he was one of the ones when you talk about Styles, Daniels, and sorry, Styles, Daniels, and uh, Joe in the classic triple threat match from back in the day. The other one, the second tier of stars that you remember from that time period are the Motor City Machine Guns and Kazarian. He's the guy with the knockoff Metallica logos on everything. So let him come in. Let him be received as the returning hero that he was when Impact was still Impact. Let him carry them over the hump until TNA becomes TNA again. And okay, now that we've got TNA established, now we can do a heel turn. Now we can be a dick. And somewhere down the line, we're probably going to get a gimmicked up match between Kaz and Eric Young, which doesn't hurt my feelings either. Love Eric Young's entrance. I don't know how long he's had this entrance. And he's gone from the hockey mask that he used to wear to the ring, a la Tommaso Ciampa in his takeover days, to one that looks a little bit more like Doctor Doom, which is wonderful. And he's generally crazy. And you guys know me. I like the crazy character. The fact that we end that segment on fuck you Frankie chants from the crowd is also really good. We hear from the newest big name in TNA. They said going into Hard to Kill, you're never going to believe who's going to show up. And then I pontificated on two names. Neither one of those names showed up. One of them was Will Ospreay. One of them was Sasha Banks. Neither one of them showed up. I'm really glad it's Dolph Ziggler, in all honesty, because we knew it wasn't going to be Ospreay. Because he had already signed with AEW. That's fine. It is what it is. I do have to give AEW a lot of credit. While TNA introduced me to Jay White, uh, for all my sins, I did not know who Will Ospreay was. AEW introduced me to Will Ospreay. AEW and New Japan came to Toronto and gave us a show called Forbidden Door where I saw Kenny Omega versus Will Ospreay, which was probably the best match I saw live last year, if I'm completely honest. Um... But he doesn't sign, and it's a weird thing, right? Because the stuff about Nick Nemeth 
And, um, you know, the Hollywood hunk Ryan Nemeth is already in AEW. So, oh, you know, obviously, clearly he's going to go where his family is. And it's like, yeah, but Andrade and Charlotte were on separate things for a long time. And Sean Spears and whichever one of the Iconics he's fucking were on separate companies for a while. And Renee Young stayed in WWE as Renee Young when, when Moxley debuted. Like, they eventually come together, but that doesn't have to be... That doesn't have to be the thing. It will eventually be the thing. I mean, Adam Cole eventually joined Britt Baker in AEW. That's fine. Um, I don't think we have a Brandy Rhodes in AEW in any way, shape, or form while Cody Rhodes is in WWE, even though Brandy Rhodes isn't wrestling, so that's a shit comparison. Sorry about that. But I'm just... I'm just happy to see somebody do something somewhere else. And it's carryover that brought me into TNA the first time. Now, it's it's very, very in vogue right now to shit on the Hardy Boys. But if it wasn't for somebody calling me up and saying, you're never going to believe this, flip over to this other company. It's Jeff Hardy and Jeff Jarrett. Okay, I'm listening. It's Jeff Hardy and Jeff Jarrett in a ladder match. Okay, I'm really listening. It's Jeff Hardy and Jeff Jarrett in a ladder match in a ring with six sides. That's all it took to get me into TNA the first time. That really, really is. Dolph Ziggler, Nick Nemeth, is going to be that guy for somebody. Z Ziggler doesn't get his due. He would have gotten his due if he had gone to AEW. And that's that's the sad bit of it. If Oh, if you choose our company, if you choose the right company, then we'll give you credit. It's like as soon as Dana Brooke slash Ash by Elegance signed with TNA and not anywhere else, not New Japan or Stardom or, or AEW or whatever, oh, she's a jobber. Look at TNA picking up all those jobbers. I'm like, okay, just try to at least semi-hide your tribalism. Anyways. I think it's really cool. Nick Nemeth is uh, in, in uh, TNA. Got to get out of the habit of saying Impact. I want to see him mix it up with all kinds of people. I'm probably going to mention it again later on, but his debut match is next week against Zachary Wentz. And you know why that's awesome? Because he used to be in WWE as well until he got fucked up the ass by Me Too. So that's another cool victory story. Happy he had somewhere else to go. Happy he got back with, with Trey Miguel and him and the Rascals as a heel tag team are fucking awesome. Wesley stayed in NXT and got himself injured. So we don't really need to go there. I wanted it to go the other way. When MSK came to WWE, I thought, okay, Trey Miguel's the third part of that thing. Maybe he'll come over to NXT, and it'll be one more person in NXT where I get to say, yes, check it off your Spaz Phoenix bucket list. I saw that guy pick up the Destiny Next Generation Championship in the middle of the Don Koloff Arena, by the way, in the front row. It was awesome. Um, Nick Nemeth coming to TNA is going to do awesome things for them because they're actually going to use him. I'm a big fan of WWE, but they like they haven't they weren't using Dolph Ziggler properly for like what at least five years, like well before COVID. So which is more because COVID warps our perception of time itself. But he's he's got this cool thing now. Like he was a free agent and he was a well speculated free agent. He did show up in New Japan. I don't get it because I don't watch New Japan. Quite frankly, um, everybody was saying, like I said, he was going to go to AEW, and he instead he showed up in TNA and showed up with a TNA T-shirt on and made all the implications that he's here in TNA to stay. So everybody wanted him. So they've given him the name the most wanted man, Nick Nemeth, which I think is awesome. He comes out. He covered a lot of ground in a relatively brief promo. Now, because these are pre-taped, I saw a good chunk of this promo the day it happened, so getting it in the right order was cool, but some of it I had already heard. He has to get used to being called Nick Nemeth. Um, 
talked about how hard to kill was a moment before he came out and introduced himself to everybody he enjoyed everybody on that card all the women all the x division people all the whatever case may be um he says he's very fortunate um i've been fortunate to have a lot of different accomplishments in my life but all those accomplishments in those 19 years happened in one world now i like the way he approached that because it was a very typical cliche thing for people to go to to uh, TNA and immediately get over by shitting on WWE. He says, hey man, I had 19 years in WWE and I was very fortunate. I accomplished a lot. So that's fresh. That's new. If we get rid of that portion of how TNA operates, I think it will only be for the better. But he talks about for the first time ever, this is his brand new, his day one. I've just walked into the building. I'm emotional. I'm nervous. I'm intimidated. I'm scared. I'm excited. I picked my spot with the world champion, but I've got way too much respect for everybody in the back, everybody in that locker room. I won't just stroll in at the top and demand a title shot. I will work my way up to the top. Again, he repeats, this is my day one, and when I do get that championship, I'm going to do it for each and every one of you, which is also awesome, because another cliche that a lot of people do is when people turn heel, and it's more people saying that wrestlers do this than them actually doing it, but it's like, oh, why'd you turn heel? I did it because of the fans. I did it because of each and every one of you. So when he comes out and he says, yeah, I'm going to work my way up, and I am going to get that championship, and when I do it, I'm going to celebrate with each and every one of you, which is good. He was cut off, and you had to know that that was going to happen. He was cut off by Steve Macklin. Steve Macklin has the distinction now because he fought Rich Swan on the kickoff too hard to kill. He won the very first match in the new history of TNA. That's a cool little thing that he can hang his hat on, I suppose. Rich Swan is a funny, happy-go-lucky guy that's easy to beat if you're playing wrestling's version of the Punisher. And he says, talks about how they've got all these same things. We were dropped by the same company. We came from the same world. We both pulled ourselves up by our bootstraps. And I... I uh, actually did come here. I did set my sights on the world title, and I did get it. You're talking about what you can give, what you can give, what you can give, but you don't have the balls to take anything, and you're going you're gonna to bleed TNA dry, and all anybody's ever going to wonder is whatever happened to Dolph Ziggler. Tries to take a cheap shot at Ziggler. Ziggler hits him with a super kick, and then the zigzag, and apparently they're calling the zigzag the danger zone, which is just corny enough to work for me. Now, I thought after this that they were going to announce, hey, Ziggler's, you know, sorry, Nemeth's debut match is next week, and it's against Steve Macklin. Uh, but no, we're getting Zachary Wentz instead, which will be a much more fun spectacle of a match, but I presume that he will interfere in that match, which will then lead to Nemeth versus Macklin, which will be a lot of fun, I think. I think there's a lot in uh, in Steve Macklin as well. I just don't think they've fully put the pedal to the metal on it ever. And yes, I realize I'm saying that even though he's a former champion. Um, we know Ziggler, fuck, Nemeth, can go in there and bump around like a madman and make everybody he's in the ring with look good. And somebody like Macklin, who's supposed to be a steamroller, could really use a feud with somebody like that. We get a brief 
thing in the back. Jordan Grace is getting congratulated by one of the uh, interview ladies backstage. Naomi comes in to, to give her her congratulations as well, give her her flowers, give her her props, whatever uh, expression you want to use and say, but I will be cashing in my rematch next week, which is nice. The, rum the rumors about the Rumble continue. Is Trinity going to be back to being Naomi? Is Naomi coming back to the Rumble? Are Sasha Banks and Naomi going to help Bailey when she breaks away from damage control? Oh, I have mixed feelings about that, but hey, we're going to get Trinity versus Jordan Grace next week. I Two very, very, very athletic ladies that I wish I cared more about because for how talented they are, how physically impressive they are, it kind of feels disrespectful that I just don't care about this match, but I just don't care about this match. I'm sorry. Jay Vidal comes out and... Uh, he starts shooting his mouth off. He's he's from Vegas, and now all seeing all of you people. <laughs> it reminds me why I left. You're all gross, whatever, and nobody in the back can beat me up. PCO comes out and kicks the shit out of him in like two minutes because PCO gonna PCO. PCO is Frankenstein. We have Punisher. We have Frankenstein. It's it it's fun. It's fine. I like PCO, but with a PCO squash match, you basically know what you're gonna win. So I have in my notes, PCO wins. LOL. Uh, we get the announcement next week, and it's been talked about on social media for quite a bit, like since before Hard to Kill, that we're getting a trios match next week. It's gonna be the System Moose, Eddie Edwards, and Brian Myers taking on the Motor City Machines gun. Motor City Machine Guns, I can speak, I swear, and Kazuchika Okada. So, okay, that has my attention. Also, as I said, we're getting Nemeth versus Wentz, which is a great first match for him. He's going to beat the shit out of Wentz. Or Trey Miguel is going to come down and interfere. If we don't get Macklin right away, if, if we save Nemeth and Macklin for no surrender, that's fine. If we've got Nemeth versus Wentz and somehow Nemeth doesn't win because of Trey Miguel interference, then I have to assume at some point we're getting Nick Nemeth versus Trey Miguel, which you could put that match on a pay-per-view. I'm sorry, you just could. The main event is Osprey versus Alexander. And before I get into anything else, the one thing I didn't mention um, when I talked about the pay-per-view, I talked about the aesthetic, I talked about, you know, the new TNA logo, we got the tunnels back, and we got, um, I don't think they used it this week, but they announced that, uh, TNA Impact week-to-week -week is gonna start using Cross the Line as the en entrance music again, which is really cool. We've got Scott Demore going crazy with excitement, which we're gonna talk about in a second. The one thing I didn't mention, I mean, you, like I said, you have Hannafin and Ray Walt on commentary this week because of where they were. They were up in the balcony. I thought that was really cool. The one thing that I didn't mention that was really cool, and again, I'm biased. It's because I've met this person. I've spoke to this person. Their new ring announcer in Impact Wrestling, or in TNA on Impact, is Jade Chung. For those of you who don't know, Jade Chung is the real-life wife of Josh Alexander. She is a wonderful person to talk to. I've had the chance to talk to her more than once. And she's really cool. She doesn't come off as stuffy and rigid and I'm here in a suit to announce the next match. You know, the next match is scheduled for one fall. She's got a little bit more, I don't know, breeziness to her, if that's a thing. Um, also, she gets to announce her husband for the main event tonight, which is also cool. So she's really cool. Josh Alexander, really cool. I'm happy for both of them. Like I say, I, I've... I've actually got to chat to chat with Jade Chung. I've encountered Josh Alexander more than once, and he's a pretty chill dude as well. And he's taking on Will Ospreay, who 
like I said, was introduced to me by AEW, but might be one of my favorite not WWE wrestlers. And his entrance is pretty kick-ass too. Uh, Elevated, I think, is the name of the song. I that's just a cool song. Never mind being a wrestling entrance. I don't have notes on this match because I put my clipboard down, and I just like this is gonna be awesome. Like, would I have like it's stupid because I was there in the Scotiabank Arena watching the match live. But if I was watching Omega Osprey on TV, would I have sat down and taken notes and, oh, and then they kicked and then they punched? No, this match was fucking awesome. If you want brawling, if you want technical, if you want high-flying, if you want out-of-the-ring brawling, if you want a little bit of plunder brawl, if you want a couple of oh-shit spots, if you want a couple of near-falls, if you want a crowd that is absolutely 110% into both of the guys in the ring, I'm not even going to say it. It is a cop-out. My, my analysis of this match is, if you're listening to the sound of my voice right now and you haven't seen the match, go watch the match. It's fucking fantastic. It went through like three commercial breaks, I think. It was a good third of the show. Now, I should say, I'm watching this through the through the YouTube Plus gimmick, so there's no commercials. So what they do is they delay the start. They started at 8.30 instead of 8 o'clock and give me a nice 90-minute show with no commercials, which is cool, except I have to not look at Twitter, which is the thing. But So I got to watch this whole match uninterrupted. I'm sure that's how people that watch... Uh, AEW or NXT or whatever on streaming apps. I, I'm sure they get the same kind of thing. The match is fucking phenomenal. Uh, the flipping Tiger Driver off the apron through the table was insane. And the fact that they went to the referee for a moment to ask the referee if they're going to call that a disqualification. And then the referee announced, we're going to let that one go and then let the match keep going, was absolutely insane. The amount of hidden blades, the amount of ankle locks, the, um, Osprey went up, went for a springboard off the apron to the outside at one point, and Alexander, I, I was about to say Kurt Angle, because that's kind of what it was like, a sorry, Alexander grabbed his ankle out of midair while he was in midair, pulled him down to the floor outside the ring into an ankle lock, like, Catch you in midair by one foot, and by, by the way, you're over here now. Alexander won this match with an absolutely dirty-looking C4 spike, which looks like it kills people every time he does it. Every time he does it, it looks like he's going to kill somebody, but that's just how awesome the guy is. Scott Demore coming out after the fact with a mission statement about TNA, about how great the main event just was. This is one of the greatest matches I've ever seen in my life, and I've been watching wrestling, you know, he's, he told a story about being in the hospital with his uncle or his grandfather who was who was dying, and they were he was four years old, and they were watching wrestling in his hospital room, and this is what this does for me. I've seen this company at its lowest point. Bruce Pritchard declared TNA dead, and all of us, you know, guys like Alexander, guys like Osprey, Osprey being a TNA kid, all the fans, all the people in the back, and he name-dropped a couple people in the back, we reached into the corpse, and we massaged that heart back to life with our bare hands, and if I die tomorrow, then I, this is probably the best match I've ever seen, and TNA is back, and TNA is never gonna die, and we're not going anywhere, and it was fucking great. The whole show ended with him losing his shit, and the handshake between Osprey and Alexander, and this was, if this is any indication of what the show is going to be like week to week, 
then it's worth the 99 cents that I'm paying to watch it on YouTube without any interruption or without any e illegal streaming or whatever. Like I say, this is not going to be an, uh, an every week thing. I'm basically going to talk about the pay-per-views and maybe review the pay-per-views if I have time. Uh, I know there is a pay-per-view the same weekend as Elimination Chamber. You'll probably not get a review for that one just because I'll be doing double duty that weekend. And I'm getting up at 6 a.m. to watch Elimination Chamber, so I'm going to be fucking tired. Um, but for the most part, like I say, this is a one-off just because it's the first episode. Um, going to be talking about TNA pay-per-views a lot more, especially if I, they get a crowd like they got. Apparently, this is the between this and Hard to Kill, this was like the biggest gate, the biggest attendance, the biggest ticket sales, whatever whatever graphic you want to use that they've had in the last 10 years of the company. So that's fucking insane. Uh, I looked it up on WrestleTix. I don't know how accurate WrestleTix is, but apparently they were pretty damn close to 2,000 people in that casino stage thing that they were wrestling in. It's all really good. And it's all day one, and it's all like fuck me, it could fall apart next week, but if if this is their step one, and they can keep going like this, this is going to be really, really good. Um, I really want to know what you guys think. Did you, did you watch Hard to Kill? Did you watch the first episode of TNA Impact of 2024? What do you think of both of them? What do you think of what I've said? Because I've basically just rambled on and gone, duh, duh, wrestling is awesome, because that's what I do, unless it's AEW. Um... But yeah, have I have I rambled too much? Have am I giving them way too much credit? There was some stuff on here that didn't quite fall under the category of fantastic, but that's any any show. So let me know what you guys think. Um, I really want to know how many of you guys actually give a shit about me talking about TNA because that'll affect how much I do. That's just the way things go. But anyways, I've run out of things to say, which is why I'm getting repetitive now. So I'm going to stop right now. I'm going to do the outro. I'm going to possibly do the outro without fucking it up. I've been Spaz, your YWC reality check. Subscribe up there. Talk down there. Start a conversation. Keep all these conversations going. Don't be a stranger. I'll talk to you. Never last one. If you're right now, I'm tagging it.